You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. I've never seen scandal after scandal hit a company in such a short amount of time. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. We don't really know what's in e-cigarettes. California has unfortunately led the nation in officer-involved killings. This is KCBS In-Depth. It's the season of giving in the Bay Area and at community service centers throughout the region. So whether it means handing out food, sorting through daily necessities, or making donations, volunteers are stepping up to help out those in need. I'm Keith Menconi. This is KCBS In-Depth, and today in the program, we're going to be learning more about all the ways to give this holiday season, as well as the tremendous need that is out there in this very expensive region. To get some insight on all this, we're going to welcome onto the program now three guests deeply involved with all manner of charitable giving in the Bay Area. First up, I want to welcome onto the program Lou Rita. He is the executive director of Hands On Bay Area. That's a group that helps organize volunteer work events throughout the Bay Area region. And Lou, uh, first question I want to put to you is what is an event that you are looking forward to in the next couple of weeks? Hi, Keith. Thanks for having me here. Uh, I'm really excited about a, a huge event we have coming up in December. We're going to be painting uh, the homes of many people in the Tenderloin uh, with 150 volunteers. Oh, wow. That sounds uh, fantastic. So something to look forward to in just the next couple of weeks. Up next, want to welcome onto the program up in San Francisco, we have Pat Gallagher. She's the Chief Development Officer for Catholic Charities San Francisco. It's a nonprofit serving Marin, San Francisco, and San Mateo counties. Pat, I'm going to put the same question to you. Uh, what is a charitable event you guys are looking forward to in the next couple of weeks? Well, with the holiday season, we have quite a few events, and from all of our over 30 programs, we really have a lot of our shelters for our families, and which include children, and we have dinners. And a lot of our volunteers come here, serve our, our clients, and also enjoy a meal with them. And it's a sense of community. It's really fun. All right, so something to look forward to there as well. Finally, down in San Jose, we have Annette Pizzo. She's Community Relations Manager at Sacred Heart Community Service. And I actually know about one of the events that you guys are working on because I reported it on it a couple of weeks ago when I did report on it. You guys were just starting your turkey drive for your Thanksgiving turkey giveaway. Uh, so you were just starting out then. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for an update now. How are you guys doing on that turkey drive? Thanks, Keith. We, so far, uh, as of the this morning have 900 turkeys, but next week we're going to give away food boxes, including a turkey. We're going to give away 4,400, so we need a lot more turkeys. All right, so a lot of turkeys in, but the need is still there, I guess, is the story that we're looking at. And that's uh, the story around much of the Bay Area. The need is really there, and that's where I wanted to start the program today with where that need is coming from. I actually visited Sacred Heart earlier this past week to learn about the work uh, you and your volunteers are doing. And uh, I want to start with a conversation that I had with one of your clients, that is someone who is on the receiving end of those donations. Her name is Karen. She told me she's a San Jose resident. She is disabled and relies on Social Security to get by. She also told me that she doesn't go to Sacred Heart very often, but she is very grateful to have it when she needs it. Thank God for this, yeah. Because I don't have the money this year to do Thanksgiving, you know. 
So it's gonna, it'll help me a lot. She came by this time actually to pick up turkeys from Sacred Heart's ongoing turkey drive that we just mentioned a second ago. And so tell me a little bit about what it means to you to be able to have a turkey for the holiday season. Oh, it means everything. I'm going to spend it with my sister, and it's just me and her. So it means everything. Yeah, of course. And so that turkey would be the difference for you between a festive Thanksgiving and a very unfestive Thanksgiving? Oh, of course. What? How could you have Thanksgiving without turkey? You know, that's, that's the whole thing right there is turkey. <laughs> now, as it turns out, turkey pickup day doesn't actually come till Monday, she tells me. So... She didn't get a turkey that day. So you're going to come back on Monday to pick it up? Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully she gets that turkey soon. Now, taking a step back for just a second, this need doesn't come from nowhere. Karen says she's actually felt a pinch from the region's high cost of living increase over the last few years. Like this, thank God they have this because food, oh my God, food is so expensive. It's, yeah, you can only get so much, you know? So, yeah, no, it's very difficult. Really. So we're here and there, uh, some of the need that is out there. Uh, that was just one client, but I want to think, turn things over first to uh, Annette Pizzo with Sacred Heart. Uh, Annette, is that what you're also hearing from clients? Absolutely. We are hearing that uh, housing is more and more expensive. It's uh, untenable for renters. Uh, some of our members are saying that they are spending up to 80% of their income on rent. That doesn't leave room for any kind of an emergency, for food, for things for your kids. It's incredibly expensive. And we're seeing a lot of families move out of the area because they just can't afford to live here. And Pat Gallagher with Catholic Charities, how does that need compound during the holiday season? Oh, well, it, it certainly does. I mean, there's, you know, a sense of loneliness people have because Many don't have families or they're in shelter, uh, you know, and the parents want to be able to give back to the kids and some, you know, Christmas cards and Christmas gifts. And so that's why we have to provide a lot of our gift giving and toy drives and family sharing programs just to give them a sense of being a little more normal and uh, and have a little joy in their life. Mm. And w w without that, so there, for many people, it really is just difficult to have any sense of holiday cheer, I, I take it, Pat Gallagher. It, it, it is. And uh, so they come to us. We do provide the opportunities, but we do provide opportunities where people can give, so give directly to our guests, our clients, so that they can partake in the holiday cheer and be able to give to their kids. Uh, many of the, many of our um uh, clients are parents, and they can't buy Christmas gifts for the kids, and they're able to do that. Now, I know that both of your organizations have a ton of different charity events and a ton of different programs that are ongoing throughout the season, But uh, so it may be difficult to summarize, but I was hoping maybe you could give us a little bit of a highlight reel of some of the campaigns that you have ongoing. Uh, Annette Pizzo uh, with Sacred Heart, anything that you'd like to highlight? Well, year-round, we have... Um, not only emergency services like food and clothing, but we have service uh, programs that help build towards self-sufficiency, like education for kids and adults, uh, job search help, things like that. We also um, do a lot of uh, grassroots organizing so that everyone has a voice downtown and we can um, listen to the, to the community and represent the community, do some advocacy work for them. 
and Pat Gallagher with Catholic Charities. Uh, same question to you. What are some of the ways to give or ways to volunteer that you'd like to highlight? If I would highlight one there, there, and you're right, there are so many programs and year round. Annette is right. It, there is always that great need. I would right now, uh, we have a, a program that I think is our, your listeners might be interested to in is a family sharing program. It's, it's giving and let's, Families know that they're not alone. Uh, it's an opportunity to uh, have a list of the individuals in the family and their ages and their wishes. Um, and it's really a nice way of someone to give a direct gift from, uh, to people in need. And it's very personal. Yes, it's anonymous, but you get a sense of who you're giving it to. And it really is very meaningful and personal. All right. So that gives a sense of some of the ongoing ways to give, ways to contribute that are out there. Let's flip our perspective now, though, to the volunteers themselves and learn a little bit more about how they're contributing this holiday season. We're going to head back now to Sacred Heart for a moment to get that perspective. While I was there earlier this past week, I ran into Rebecca McCathern in the midst of her volunteer shift. And uh, just to give a sense of how personal this service can be at times, I'll tell you that right when I interrupted her, she was hard at work searching through several bins of diapers looking for one particular size. Um, I'm looking for newborn. We have tons of ones, tons of fives, and tons of fours. And so I need newborn twos, threes. So I'm just searching through this. Rebecca's day job is in tech human resources, but she's become a Sacred Heart regular, either going there with her workmates or on her own. What was it exactly that uh, hooked you? Um, well, just seeing the impact that you're making. And the, the clients are really big on telling you how much of an impact it makes in their lives, and that's really fulfilling. Wow, so what, what kind of stuff are they telling you? Um, well, they say thank you for first of all, and they're just always so gracious. Um, but especially if you find something special that they're looking for and you were able to search through one of these containers and find it, they're so excited, especially when it comes to diapers, maxi pads, tampons, things that, you know, very personal to people. If you can find it for them, they're super glad. So it's just a very direct kind of service. It really is. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't mean to be impolite, but I noticed that you might be working up a little bit of a sweat. You're working yes. hard today, I take yeah. it. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> it's like running back and forth. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's, this, isn't, this isn't just desk work. You're really getting into it. Yeah, definitely. It's better than my day job. <laughs> well, hopefully her boss isn't listening right now. Uh, we'll keep her secret safe uh, for right now. Uh, but I want to turn things over to uh, Lou Rita. So you work with a lot of volunteers around the Bay Area. Is that what you hear from folks out there, that they do get that uh, real sense that they're getting something out of this, too? Yeah, um, that's kind of the secret sauce of volunteering is that you're giving your time to help others. And in the process, it helps you as well. And it's that excitement, that feeling of giving back that keeps people coming. All right. I want to just remind our listeners real quick that you're listening to KCBS In-Depth. That's our weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. Today, we're discussing the economic struggles many face over the holiday season and how Bay Area residents are working to help out one another. Joining us, we have on the program Lou Rita, who we just heard from a second ago. He's the executive director of Hands-On Bay Area, which helps organize volunteer work events. We also have on uh, Pat Gallagher, Chief Development Officer for Catholic Charities San Francisco, and we have Annette Pizzo, Community Relations Manager at Sacred Heart Community Service. So, Lou Rita, uh, there definitely is a huge surge in volunteer giving over 
the holiday season. Uh, but you were telling me, you know, sometimes you wish that that was spread around a little bit more throughout the rest of the year. Tell me about the ebb and flows of charitable giving throughout the year. Uh, absolutely. I mean, this is the season where people feel moved most to give back and to try to do things. Um, you know, we always have a lot of people who want to serve meals on Thanksgiving Day, right? But then, you know, there are many, many days in the year after Thanksgiving Day. There are many, many days in the year, you know, after the Christmas. So um, the need doesn't go away, uh, even though the holidays go away. And then we do see a drop off in uh, volunteer activity uh, come, you know, January 2nd. So what does that mean for somebody in your position of being somebody who's kind of a cheerleader for volunteerism? Well, a, a couple of things. First off, we definitely encourage people to, holi- to um, volunteer during the holidays because they're excited about it. What we want to do, though, is to try to encourage people to um, keep their eyes open and to see if there's something that they do in the holidays that really gets them excited and that be willing to come back and do more throughout the year. And how, how do you get them hooked? What's the, is there a particular way that you're, you're, you're trying to really sell them on this uh, year round? Well, you know, really, the hooking happens on its own as long as we get people out <laughs> to volunteer. <laughs> so our goal is all around getting people out to volunteer and making it easy for them to connect because the spark happens within them. You know, when you give back to people, you have that spark. You have that uh, amazing feeling of having helped somebody or helped the world in some way, shape, or form, and, and that's addictive. How are we doing as a region in terms of volunteerism? Are we doing enough throughout the year? Well, um, you know, according to the statistics, we're, uh, you know, kind of middling in terms of the number of uh, people volunteers. The, the, the estimates are around 30% of people volunteering. There are other places where uh, volunteering is actually higher. Uh, Utah, for example, is an interesting place where their uh, volunteering numbers tend to be higher. But I, I think we're doing a pretty good job. Doing a pretty good job. I imagine, though, that a lot of people are hearing this and they're thinking to themselves, I already have a day job. I already have a lot of things to keep track of. It can be a real burden to add that extra thing to your to-do list. Absolutely. I mean, that's the biggest issue facing us in the Bay Area. Anyone who gets on the road and drives anywhere knows that it's pretty hard. Um, You think a 15-minute drive turns into like an hour. (laughs) Yeah. So that's very hard then on people just to make their day lives work. Um, Adding on uh, anything else is is a burden. And, and so how do you help people get past that? The main thing to do is to try to make as many opportunities as close to people where they live as possible. So uh, that's why, for example, we have about 150 projects that happen every month on our calendar, and we're spread out all over the place. Hopefully, one of those projects is close by where someone lives and is exciting to them. Hmm. Pat Gallagher with uh, Catholic Charities. I wonder if you and anything that you just heard resonates with you. Do you guys also experience a similar glut of volunteer uh, enthusiasm over the holiday season? Oh, a- absolutely. Uh, the All of our uh, holiday uh, opportunities went very, very quickly. And we wish that they were there, uh, people with us all year, ro- all year long. Uh, and also, our, I think our, our opportunities are a little different. We really have a great need for individuals to get involved with our programs, whether it's our unaccompanied minors program or our literacy programs. There's really opportunities just to really help people one-on-one. Um, and it's harder because you do want to, you have to make a commitment. Um, but it is worthwhile. And we find that people get very, very engaged and 
really get hooked. Uh, so we do hope that they will consider us all year long. You know, uh, one big need that we haven't really addressed out there is obviously the recent Kincaid fires and other fires in the Bay Area uh, forced many residents to evacuate from their homes. In the case of the Kincaid fire, people were forced to leave for days at a time. uh, And in fact, more than 100 homes were burnt. So a lot of need there in terms of people, either their, their lives just very disrupted or in some case, a lot of their personal property taken by flames. What, what kinds of ways, uh, what kind of support is out there in terms of volunteerism uh, for those people? Uh, absolutely. Right now, um, the biggest need is for donations of items and, and money resources in order to help the folks who are most uh, impacted by the, the devastating fires. Um, uh, we have a lot of partners in the North Bay, and uh, they've asked for items such as um, hygiene things like chapsticks, band-aids, glow sticks, batteries, um, non-perishable food items, things like um, fruit leather, granola bars, tuna fish, things like that that are um, that can be transported pretty easily um, and have uh, longer shelf lives uh, so that they can distribute them out to folks who need them. Mm. And how, how long should we think about the uh, horizon for that need? Is this something that's going to be resolved in the next couple of months, or is this something that's going to stick around for a long time? Uh, the rebuilding effort's going to take years, and so the the need for support will be there for years. Um, and that's the thing that happens also with disasters. You know, they're, they're in everyone's mind when they're on the news or um, have happened recently, but then the need continues on beyond that period of notoriety, if you will. Um, it continues on for years. And so we'll have a lot of need for volunteers to help with the rebuilding efforts. Yeah. Um, and at Pizzo uh, with Sacred Heart, I, I know that part of what your organization engages in is public advocacy for those in need. And I'm wondering if I could get your thoughts on how should we think about? Obviously, there is tremendous need out there in the Bay Area. There's a lot of different ways to meet that need. How important is volunteerism and donations going to be in terms of keeping people in good shape uh, financially and in good spirits over the holidays. I mean, there's, uh, you know, there's government support. There's many different kinds of support. What are your thoughts on the role of volunteerism? Well, volunteerism uh, helps us keep our doors open. We can't do this work without the participation of the community. And as you heard in Rebecca's voice, there's a lot of joy in that. And um, the families that come to us love their uh, traditions just like we do. So they are excited to come They're excited to meet the volunteers. They're excited to continue their family traditions through the holidays. And this just takes something out of, you know, one eases up their budget a little bit. Uh, We we take one thing off the plate, so to speak, for them um, when they're concerned about making their money stretch all the way to the end of the month. And uh, Pat Gallagher with uh, Catholic Charities. uh, Closing thoughts for you. Anything else that you would hope that people keep in mind over the next couple of months or perhaps into the rest of the year? Well, uh, all, keep all your charities in mind. There's, there is great need out there. It's going to start getting cold. Think of your neighbors in need and uh, supporting your local organizations. I hope that you do consider uh, financial support as well as volunteering because the need is great and uh, it's much appreciated by all. And uh, closing thought, I'll give that to you, Lou Rita. Uh, and, and anything else that you would hope that people are keeping in mind over the next couple of months? Um, I would just ask people to uh, listen to their own hearts. I know a lot of people want to do good and want to give back, um, but let's 
things stop them. <laughs> so don't let things stop you. Just follow your heart and uh, do what uh, makes sense. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to round things out. Uh, we're going to say goodbye to our guests right now. Again, those guests were Lou Rita, the executive director of Hands on Bay Area, as well as Pat Gallagher, chief development officer for Catholic Charity San Francisco, and Annette Pizzo, community relations manager for Sacred Heart Community Service. Uh, thanks to all three of you. Thank you, Kate. Thank you very much. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. So far in the program, we've been talking about charitable giving in the Bay Area over the holiday season. Up next, in addition to charitable giving, many also depend on government support to meet their needs. And there has been some big changes to one government program in recent months. We're talking here about the Women, Infants, and Children Supplemental Nutrition Program, commonly referred to as WIC. Joining us now to tell us a bit more about that change, we're joined on the program by Gina Schlocker. She is the WIC director at the Indian Health Center of Santa Clara Valley, one of the agencies that oversees the local WIC program. Gina, thanks so much for being on KCBS In-Depth. Thank you so much for having me. So just to get everybody up to speed real quick, uh, the WIC program, for those uninitiated, provides basic food needs to many low-income women. Uh, those benefits are redeemed at stores, and that brings us to the change in the program at hand. That change? WIC is moving from paper vouchers to electronic cards. The switchover has already occurred in several California counties, including Santa Clara. Rollout is continuing uh, into the beginning of next year, so uh, kind of a, a rolling process that we have right now. Uh, Gina, tell our listeners, uh, if you could, a little bit more about the WIC program. Uh, anything else in the program that you'd like to highlight that perhaps I missed in my very brief intro right there? Well, I definitely want to highlight the changes that we've gone through. Um, for us, we were the first few counties that started the WIC card. And it's a huge change for us because it just makes it so much more convenient for our participants. And the feedback that we've already received is that our families really love it. It's so much nicer, convenient. It's just a small EBT card. Um, it's no longer the paper checks. It's secure, so even if they lose the card, they don't lose their benefits. Where before, if they did, if they did lose their checks, it was like losing money for them. Any changes that they, they want, they can just do it over the phone. They don't have to come into the clinic, so that makes it a lot easier for them. And they love the phone app that's associated with the WIC card because on their phone, they can easily see what their food balance is, what where the stores are, their appointments, um, links to other services. So it's just been a great, great change for us overall. Mm. And just so people can picture this in their mind's eye, when we're talking about vouchers, we're talking about relatively large paper documents that folks were needing to use inside grocery stores? Yes, exactly. And, and then the, the ID card they had to show to the cashier, with, which was also pretty large. And, and, you know, it made it sort of sometimes cumbersome for the cashier as well, because everything was in paper. If people... They kind of was was a stigma because if other shoppers saw the WIC checks, they knew it was going to be a lengthy process. And so, unfortunately, our families kind of had that stigma that they were on the they were receiving, you know, benefits from WIC. But now, no one needs to know. They just use their card like if they were just using a credit card. Mm. Now, another issue that I want to highlight uh, briefly as uh, we wrap things up is uh, expected changes to the so-called public charge rules, which is complicating the relationship between many families and these public benefits that we're talking about. 
Just to explain what that is a little bit, so the Trump administration had proposed a rule that would have made it harder for immigrants to the U.S. to receive green cards if they had used certain kinds of government assistance. Advocates for the change that the Trump administration was proposing say that uh, immigration should be limited for those who require public assistance. In October, courts issued a temporary injunction to stop the rule, but even without the rule going into effect, news of the potential change has scared many off accepting those public benefits. Uh, So tell us a little bit about that fear. Families are a little bit wary of accepting public benefits right now because of the potential for this change? Yes, definitely. We've had uh, a number of families call us and say, you know, is is WIC part of public charge? Can you take my name off? Can you erase my information from your computers? Um, Will WIC give my information to immigration? Um, Just a whole host of fear and miscommunication that's out there because of that. And of course, a lot of we understand that a lot of families that did not come in was because of that, because all of a sudden they just stopped coming. And if we tried to call them, phones were disconnected. They just just have too, a lot of fear and miscommunication throughout the community. And just to be clear, even if they did go into effect at some future date, again, they have not yet, even if they did go into effect, the rules as we understand them right now would not impact WIC recipients. Yes, correct. WIC has not been historically and was not going to be part of the public charge anyway. But because the public sees WIC as as a um, government benefit, just that association alone has caused a lot of fear in our families. Uh, just to briefly tie this conversation back into the overarching theme of the program today, which once again is all the work being done to make sure that everybody in the Bay Area has the resources that they need to make the most of the holiday season. Uh, to that end, you were saying earlier that the the whole point of introducing these plastic cards is to increase the access for folks to the WIC program, making sure that it's as easy as possible for them to make use of these nutritional benefits. So uh, from your perspective, I, I imagine it must be pretty frustrating to have this extra barrier introduced, to have this policy or the potential for this policy introduce this kind of fear that is giving people pause. It's definitely frustrating, especially because it's not that much of a of of money that we're giving him in a sense you know it is it is healthy foods fresh and ve- fresh fruits and vegetables and whole grains and um, nutritious foods it's more about providing education and and it's a preventative program and so you know there's been studies um, in the past where every dollar spent toward WIC has saved three dollars in Medicaid because we're babies that are born from moms that received WIC, they have better outcomes. There's less gestational diabetes, less premature births, just things like that. They just overall do much better if they come into the WIC program. All right. An important message to get out there, and we do thank you for your time. We have been speaking to Gina Schlocker. She is the WIC director at the Indian Health Center of Santa Clara Valley. Gina, thank you so much. Thank you, Keith. Whatever you want. Um, is it milk on 1% or is it 2? It's 1%. Yeah, 1%. Thanks for listening to KCBS In-Depth. Remember, you can find past episodes of the program online at kcbsradio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Manconi. We'll see you next time.
want that one? All right. Thank All right. You. And then you can give her this, and she'll, she'll give you produce, okay? You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS.